Okay, let's just lay it out on the table right now. I'm a 21-year-old, half-black, half-Latina woman who lives in the suburbs of Los Angeles, California. Also, I'm a Leo, so confident, but I also have emotions like dark clouds on a rainy day. I have no idea who I am, but I do at the same time, and I hope if you're listening, you have some of the same questions that I have had my entire existence. Hi, my name is Jordan Jackson, and this is Life of a Mixed Chick. This episode will be a little chaotic and a little enlightening in terms of slowly gathering knowledge of who I am and why a mixed chick like me should be telling her story. Because while I feel like I have no story to tell, I do. I am black and Hispanic, but I didn't really grow up with the traditions that a black person or Hispanic person would. A lot of my time has been playing on either side of my identity, but never on one side 100%, which can get pretty confusing over time. What do you mean by that? Life of a Mixed Chick is going to be an ongoing series where I'll be sitting down with other mixed race individuals, and my goal is to gain more knowledge and have a better understanding of myself by learning from their stories and experiences. Everyone grows up differently, but so many of us who are mixed probably don't know a lot about our cultural backgrounds. I'm excited for this podcast because as a kid, I would have loved something like this, where I wouldn't have to feel alone in my confusion about identity. Instead, I'd be sitting in my room having this voice in my head telling me it's okay to be the person you are. (laughs) My reasoning behind a podcast like this is to reach an audience who is trying to figure themselves out because I know life can get pretty crazy and figuring yourself out is a big part of that. A lot of people I've surrounded myself by have always told me to be myself, and I'm so grateful to be at the place I am with myself. It's just that I still feel a little rough around the edges in terms of who I am culturally. I have grown up exposing myself to film and music to try to get a really good understanding of who I am as a person, and to be honest, it's been working quite well so far. Yes, there are a few gaps I need to fill that are very important, being bilingual that's suspicious but it's a work in progress and i thank my latino artist for that while film and music have been a big chunk of me learning the little parts of who i am they aren't my only source i would also say friends and family play a big role but not in the way you would imagine if you're curious just keep listening to hear more of the tea To help me through this process, I brought a good friend on who has also experienced life as a mixed chick, though a little different than me. Her name is Mason Monaghan, and she identifies as Puerto Rican and Black. As an Afro-Latina who has been influenced by both of her hereditary cultures, I hope that she'll be able to guide me through this journey of also figuring out who I am. My goal for this interview is to talk about how we face certain situations in our daily lives, and if that has affected us differently or in the same way. This is just to get an idea of how this podcast is going to flow, as well as sharing each other's stories because we have both gone through it. Throughout this episode, we are going to be hitting some major points that we have faced over the years, and I'm going to say that this is going to be more of a get-to-know-us before we dive into some of the issues I want to talk about throughout the rest of the uh, the series. Mason will be popping in every so often between subject changes with the guests I bring onto the show. They are 
to lead the conversation and leave space for me to fill in the gaps with some story time. It's all for fun. And again, it's a way uh, for me to ask questions that I've always wanted to talk about with someone who shares a similar background as me. Does your family play a big part of who you are in terms of culture and traditions? And if so, how? Yeah, of course. I I think that's why, because the way I look, like I'm not, I guess I don't look traditionally Hispanic with like dark features and things. You could, I've always been mistaken for just being black and white just because mm-hmm. I'm like traditional light skin with like the ashy blonde curly hair. So I think like since a baby and both of my siblings don't really have my features. So it's like I grew up very like, aware of wanting to be aware of who I am because I know I'm not that you know what I'm saying because I just feel like that plight isn't mine I don't have to deal with that white and blackness within myself that's just not how I grew up Mm -hmm. and I grew up super ingrained with both of my families my parents have been divorced my whole life so it's like I had one weekend with my dad who's black and I grew up with my grandparents. And my grandparents are very, I always say traditionally black people, like very much had the finals in the house, soul food, things like mm-hmm. that. Like, I'll also say I grew up in a very educated black household because both of them were teachers. Gotcha. So they always made sure to make sure we were aware of like our black history where we come from even though like they were able to be educated doesn't mean that it wasn't hard for them to get educated I always remember like the stories from both my grandmother and my grandfather just talking about like how hard it was for them to pass like they could be A students but will just be pushed to the side or not allowed to you know what I'm saying yeah Yes, they played a very big role in my life. And then when I'm with my mother's family, they lived in downtown Chicago. Very Puerto Rican family. Um, My titi lived in the basement of an apartment building. Always was cooking. Always walked into, like, house full of Puerto Rican food. They all are fluent in Spanish. Only primarily spoke Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I just always had a huge appreciation for it because it was somewhere, like, very opposite from my father's family. I think also what I love about my family is just they've never been hesitant to, like, tell me stories okay. about their childhood or how they grew up because I feel like my both of my parents, since they had, like, hard upbringing, they wanted me and my siblings to have a, you know, like, be just educated we just, you know, went to school, did what we had to do. But they just always instilled in us where they come, from, they came from and that they didn't have an easy money. I thought it was so great to hear how much of an influence her grandparents had on her due to their teaching background and personal experiences. I admire how important it was for Mason's family to educate her and her siblings about Black and Puerto Rican history and what to look out for, especially from both sides of her family. I realized that being a sponge and gathering as much knowledge as possible saves you later over time because it's truly important to know about your background. This was something I didn't think to take into consideration, the importance of speaking to our grandparents, but I realized how important it is to learn firsthand from the people that lived before we did. Quick brief about my parents. 
My mom, a Latina, grew up in South LA with two families after her and her dad split, while my dad, who was black, grew up in San Diego with three younger siblings and a single mother. My reasoning for bringing this up is because the way they grew up reflected on how they raised me and my younger brother. For my dad, his upbringing was always working to take care of his family. He's a provider since my grandmother was raising four children by herself. My grandma is one of the most hardworking people I have ever known, and that hard work ethic is reflected in my dad because he's the same way. With my grandma having to work long hours day day by day, it left my dad taking care of his siblings while still maintaining an active life an active school life and active personal life as for my mom while she grew up in two different households she was also the one to look after her younger siblings and cousins while also getting through school full-time in school she was always in clubs and sports because she enjoyed the busy lifestyle my mom was always involved and to be honest i can say that she still is to this day finally once my parents met and decided to create a life together their work habits never went away They had to constantly balance the full-time school and work lifestyle in order to make a living for themselves. And because of this, they were always pulled away from celebrating their traditions and cultural celebrations. For my dad, he missed out on a lot of family outgoings or family reunions because of having to constantly move or take care of his family. For my mom, she wasn't have she didn't get the opportunity to have a quinceañera or yearly celebration such as Dia de los Muertos or Cinco de Mayo, just because the way they grew up was a little different. These are celebrations that are planned out and discussed and are fully understood because it's been an ongoing occurrence in their families for generations. It's a blessing to have been a part of the celebrations every so often, but it takes a toll when it's something you constantly are part of but don't feel connected in a way that others do. I am a second gen child because my mom grew up here in East and South LA and her dad was born in Mexico, but he grew up here in LA, East LA. I'm ashamed to say it, pero mi hermano y yo somos gringos, okay? <laughs> A joking, but we do take pride in calling ourselves Blacksicans, which is black and Mexican combined, which is a power move in my opinion. It's been a saying between us since we were young because black skin was important to us. It was something that made us feel different from others that we were surrounded with. My parents have always been there to tell me to be myself and to not let anyone hold me back on following any dreams or aspirations I may have. This meant a lot to me because growing up mixed has left me with mixed feelings about myself. So, just to clear, you said, do you speak Spanish often or no? No. No. I wish. Right? <laughs> I feel <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, to be bilingual. Do you oh. know what I'm saying? Um, I try. Mm-hmm. I try my best. Um, especially now. I try to just make it a regular thing for me. Especially with speaking more, especially with rapping more, it's kind of like essential to be able to just have a wide array of words to choose from mm-hmm. and, and reflecting myself as a person. You and I'm saying, I'm telling the world, I'm Puerto Rican. Should probably <laughs> speak some Spanish, right. you know? No, seriously, I'd be making this podcast episode about like both of my my black and my Hispanic side mm-hmm. and. My Hispanic side is just holding on by the grasp. You know, <laughs> just like all it's trying to jump out. 
All it takes is just a little bit of Spanish, and that's all I need. No, seriously. It, I mean, it's still a part of us either way. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't think us not being able to speak it makes us less Hispanic. I don't okay. like that. Yeah. I, I don't like when people try to make that claim, like, okay, you don't speak Spanish, so you're not Hispanic. Well, you don't yeah. know my life experience. Your mm-hmm. life experience will never be mine. I've still grown up with a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking family. I've still grown up Period. heavily in the culture. I know you have as well. So Period. to have people try to play you, you know, right. that's what I say. Like, But, like, what's crazy is that I love my family, but sometimes they'll, they'll be, like, it gets to a point where I'll be trying to speak Spanish, I'll be trying to learn, mm. and they look at me sideways. Like in a funny way, they're like, "Don't speak Spanish. You are like, you speak white, or you, you're, uh, yeah, you're like whitewashed." Just, I'm like, "Bro, I'm I trying." Feel the same. I like, I try not to, because I don't ever feel whitewashed. I just feel like I, I just always say I speak Spanish like Mason. <laughs> I love that because it's like, like I, it's I don't really true. know, you know, <laughs> like I just say like I don't have the accent, not for real, but it's just like. Like, you come know, on, like, I get what you're saying. For trying to learn or trying to, like, because yes. even it's like if you're going to your specific Spanish speaking country, like, I would love, like, I don't want to go without being able to speak. Like, that's embarrassing. It's like we just need that support system. <sighs> Real bad. They just, like, gotta pretend that we're, we're doing our part. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing it. <laughs> oh. Again. Not being able to speak Spanish was something I always felt highly insecure about, and I can say I'm still not very comfortable holding a simple conversation in Spanish. I always feared going to see my mom's side of the family because they are fluent, and some of my family members could only speak Spanish. This boundary between my extended family and I felt like a curse that I couldn't break. I took Spanish for three years in high school, downloaded Duolingo, and tried to stay consistent with my Spanish-speaking skills, but I still wasn't able to get past this fear of speaking it. A lot of it had to do with confidence, which I didn't have a lot of growing up. I say confidence was the obstacle between me and speaking Spanish because, yeah, I can listen and understand what you're saying in Spanish, I just cannot reply back no matter how hard I try. Like I mentioned in the interview, I always felt discouraged to even attempt to have a conversation in Spanish because of my wacky accent, and you got a whiff of it earlier, so I hope you can see where I'm coming from. It's been lovely to say that I have had the opportunity to be a part of a few of my friends' quinceañeras as a dama. Those moments did have me feeling like I belonged. Also, my whole life, I was surrounded by people and family who celebrated any Mexican celebrations. For me, in those moments of being there, I was just there to celebrate. At the time, I didn't know or understand why we celebrated these moments, but we did, and to me, that's all that mattered to me. For my 15th birthday, I remember calling it my sweet quince, because it didn't follow any of the traditions that come with the preparation of a quince such as a court, a large number of guests on an invitation list, no waltz or big dance number, nothing of such. It was just to celebrate me becoming a mature woman. The sweet quince idea was brought up by me when my parents and I were trying to figure out what to do once I turned 15 or 16. Again, I truly didn't know much, nor did my mom, about how to plan a quince. All we knew was how expensive it was or how expensive it can get. 
So to stay within budget, we came up with Sweet Quince, which was a moment where we took time to celebrate my maturity of womanhood. Just nothing really extravagant like a beautiful quinceanera woman would have. <laughs> um, but hear me out though, this was probably my favorite birthday celebration because it was the most thought out and I did feel very included and supported during the time being. With your friends, um, that when you hung around them, for those who spoke Spanish, did you feel a type of way when you're in a group and they're having their own conversation in Spanish, for example? Did yeah. you feel like you needed to be a part? Like, did you feel left out in a kind of way? I feel like I I never had multiple. I, like I always had one. <laughs> it was Got always you. one in the Got group, you. but like my friend in Chicago, Carolina, like she spoke Spanish. I would I would just be like, damn, you know, like n- not being able to like she would always communicate with her mom or her brother in that way. Mm-hmm. I just wish I had that relationship too, and I just like being intelligent. So yeah. not being able to have like that you know duality of being able to really connect with your culture yeah i i just wish i had it i still do Mm -hmm. is it highly encouraged on your mom's side of the family whenever you were to visit Mm. is it something that they they kind of was pushing or no i mean they were always just really accepting of me my mom's but i mean my mom was fluent in spanish and really good at speaking all the different spanishes Mm -hmm. Uh, but she never, she was always like, she always felt like I would be the one to learn out of my three siblings. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see this, but she would always tell me that she, she knows like I really, really want to, and I have the dedication to. So I know, of course she really, she wants all of us to learn, but I know she, she's the one I've spoken the most Spanish with and okay. like would help me with learning and would want me to talk to her every day. But, you know, I'd be shy back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was never like really, really pushed on me, especially not. I mean, my whole like Spanish speaking, Spanish speaking family is very Spanish speaking, but they'll definitely like just talk to me in English okay. or like when they're around each other, like speaking Spanish. I don't feel I never felt like left out. Okay. Because I did like understand. And yeah. They never they never have made fun of my Spanish speaking voice or anything like that. It's not to my face. <laughs> hey, that's all we gotta know. <laughs> okay, for sure. All right, going into music and like the media, did any type of entertainment inspire you or um, kind of like build your character in a way? Yeah, in terms of Spanish speaking media, I I grew up on the movie Selena. Period. So. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Selena. I think she had a really beautiful, really, really beautiful energy as a woman. Like, I, I, I usually say there's not a lot of people because I, I had a hard time connecting with women in media growing up because mm-hmm. I just felt I was really connected to the cartoons that I liked. Yeah. Um, and that's what really helped define me as a person. Adventure Time, Powerpuff Girls, Sailor Moon, like, that's who I wanted to be. Yeah, no, as a woman, especially um, if we're talking Latina women, 
Selena for sure. Um, what about music? Like, did did you listen to a lot of Spanish music growing up, or even vice versa? What kind of like what music are you into that kind of created this persona? In terms of Spanish music, I listened to a lot of the. I grew up on the older Spanish music, like mm-hmm. Hector Lavoy, Jerry Rivera, Celia Cruz, um, Mark Anthony. They really, I love, I love that that sound, the reggaeton mm-hmm. type of sound. And my mom, like highly, highly, highly J Lo. Yeah. Uh, she played a lot of J Lo. She likes to think she is J Lo. Just the classics that you could really like dance to, bachata music. Um, And now I've been really listening to rap, like really like studying it Mm -hmm. Um, to get better. So I always say my favorite rapper is Isaiah Rashad and Larry June, just people that like really are like effortless on beats and like can really just tell a story without like thinking too much about it. And that's, that's. That's so dope. I like. That's so dope. And um, so you, earlier you mentioned that you grew up with like different types of cartoons mm-hmm. as like a way of, um, it just kept your head up as yeah. a kid growing up. Yeah. Um. So is that the type of media that you used to express yourself in terms of like how you acted, how you dressed, um, everything like that? How you? Yeah, for sure. Especially in terms of like style and how I express myself like I never I feel like I just never looked at people and was like yes I want to dress like her Mm -hmm. it was always like I want to look like Sailor Moon like I want to look like you know like I would get the outfits to look like them or like Fiona from Fiona Cake on Adventure Time or like try to emulate the characters that I really liked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just connect with them a lot, and I just, I don't know. I guess just being that that vibrant and just that fun, they, I, I like being detached from the real world, I guess, mm-hmm. sometimes. So they, I don't know. That's, that's really good because I know growing up, it was really hard to for me to like not compare myself especially mm. when it came to like um seeing women with their hair done mm. and like they had their curls on point um beautiful skin and mm. i don't know i think like especially on disney channel i always mm. looked up to like raven simone yeah and like the cheetah girls oh bro like just see the cheetah girls were they were a big the, part yeah i will say that too but it's like even that like i love them but like when it comes to just me if it's just me i'm a just choose the cartoon every time oh my god oh but, yeah i like your idea of you see a car like you see sailor moon and you're like I just want her energy, I her her be. swag, everything. Like yeah. it was like that's really sick because it's not you're trying to be someone. You're just trying to like, embrace that energy yeah. instead. Yeah, just the way that they make me feel always made me feel like I could do. Okay, let's talk about this because this obstacle in my life is one of the many main reasons why I wanted to create a podcast like this because. 
um, as a mixed Latina woman, I need to know who else can relate to this struggle. I have truly never felt like I fit in because I didn't have enough experience, I put in quotations, with both communities. I've been told that I'm not black enough to understand what conversation they're having, or I've been questioned as to why I can't speak Spanish, even though I'm half Mexican, or I talk white, or I'm whitewashed. It's always been in the air and growing up with these questions like, am I black? Am I Hispanic? Why can't I be both? And why don't I ever seem to be enough? It's led me to why I am trying to put myself in one category. These questions have been pounding in my brain since elementary school. Tragic, right? And I chose to never talk about it with anyone. Hence, why we are here. Yay. <laughs> it was fun to relate with Mason that Selena and JLo were our Latina queens growing up. For real, my mom always had selena playing on the tv and i can remember just dancing and idolizing the talent and the confidence also fun fact about selena for those who are unaware selena was not fluent in spanish miss girl grew up in texas where her family where her and her family spoke english the majority of the time and she had to learn how to be fluent within her songs This was something that I found very inspiring because she showed me as a kid that it's possible to learn and that it's okay to not be fluent even if you are Hispanic. Also, rest in peace, Selena. We love you. What's amazing and honestly the closest I've gotten to Spanish speaking by far is being surrounded by Spanish music. When I started at my first job at Jersey Mike's, shout out Jersey Mike's, (laughs) I made a lot of new friends. These being the people that I now call my close friends. And what I absolutely admire are that we all come from a different background. This is something that has truly influenced me because obviously I am with them almost every day. With majority of them being fluent Spanish speakers and also being very in tune with their cultures, they Loki inspired me to want to be better in terms of practicing and embracing the two cultures that I was born into. This sense of awakening, if I want to put it in that way, all started with the music they played while we were at work or at the parties we threw whenever we would all hang out. Before I started working there, I already had a decent amount of Spanish music thrown into my playlist, the majority of it being reggaeton, but they introduced me to new artists. They introduced me to new types of to music too, such as bachata, rancho, mariachi, all of the good classics, and I have never been so blessed. Also, I was tired of having FOMO when it came to what music they were playing. I think my friend's influence plays a big part to my new discoveries when it comes into diving into my Hispanic culture, because if it wasn't for them, I would still be a square one. Other music I grew up on was hip-hop and R&B. For hip-hop, I grew up on the classics, all the way from the 60s, the 70s, 80s, but mainly the 90s. Music groups like TLC, NWA, or artists like Notorious B.I.G., Miss Lauren Hill, Tupac, Warren G., Ice Cube. Let me stop myself there because I can go on for days. These artists carried me through my upbringing, and I feel like these artists from the 90s taught me a bit about what I need to know about my black culture. Artists within these eras gave us reality rap. It was catchy but also nation cautious. They used their voices to share with us what goes on in their neighborhood and what the culture is about. Something about their music was effective and innovative because you can hear it in their voices the power and strength it took to make amazing and historical music. 
TLC especially was inspiring for me because one, I was obsessed with their style and fashion. And two, they are women who influenced young girls to being themselves and expressing themselves in the way that they want to. I swear I was obsessed with their music videos because it was always funky and fun and different. And you can tell this was a life that they wanted every young girl to have. At least that's how I saw it. Every one of their songs had a message, whether it be not to let a man do you dirty because they are scrubs or promoting sex or even letting young women know that they are naturally beautiful. Another important factor I want to add was film and how film influenced some of my character traits and also education for who I am as a mixed chick. I think it's important to note how today's youth are constantly being distracted by multiple media generated images and messages. And within black culture, there's so many films, TV shows and songs that we were able to take in and be educated by because of the technology and opportunities given back. Some films I would like to shout out for always being played back to back growing up would be Friday, Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Love and Basketball, Juice, Set It Off, Brown Sugar. If you know, you know. Within these films who were written, directed, produced, and acted by amazing black artists made the black community comfortable with telling stories that they can be that can be told by us and can hold a sort of relatability while watching them. It's all about love, truth, music, comedy, horror, suspense, and watching these films allowed me to involve myself more with that side of who I am, seeing it come from those who look like me. Talking about hair, can we talk about hair for a second? Because I know you mentioned your sister helped you out a lot with that, but was it something that you enjoyed? Was that something that brought you guys together? Did she teach you different kinds of styles, so on and so forth? Yeah, so... I know we talked earlier and you were saying like how your mom didn't know how to do your hair. Mm -hmm. I went through the same thing with my mom. So (laughs) I had similar thing to the Dookie braids. My braids were Pippi Longstocking braids though. Um, But I loved them. I did. I did genuinely love my two little braids. Hey, they got us through. (laughs) I did the two and then they had the bolas on them and the headband. I thought I was serving. Um, <laughs> it's because you had the headband. It was, it was the, the headband. headband because I liked anything with more colors. So it was like I could switch the headband depending on the outfit. That's that. how I feel like my hair journey started because I just didn't. I like that I was able to just not have the curls out. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to wear my hair out for whatever reason. And my sister was always the one that pushed me to be like, just people wish they had hair like yours like don't be shy about just literally just wearing it all out i used to never it took me a long time to feel comfortable doing that yeah um because kids at school would like throw stuff in my hair like ew like what that's a red flag (laughs) i I got a lot of people touching my hair growing up yeah that took me away that also kept my hair in a bun like i cannot believe that i used to let people but it's like you're a kid Mm -hmm. so i'm so glad that people haven't asked me that recently because i might just deck them in the face (laughs) yeah when i was a little kid and every time I wore my hair out, um, people, kids would be like, I can't see. Move your head. Like, your hair is too big. Like, and I'm like, 
come on. Like, I'm just like, trying to live my so life. Dramatic. Like, I swear. I just, I like, there's little things like that. Like, I always say, this feels racially motivated. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, you don't even know that you probably do deep down, but it's like. But why, like, why are you going the extra mile? Yeah. Don't like, bother me. It's just not that serious. Yeah. But. Yes. So having my sister that went through her hair is kinkier than mine. So she went through a whole lot of other struggles, especially just having a Hispanic mother that did not know Mm -hmm. what to do with her hair. She had to teach herself how to do it herself. So um, when she taught me, you know, like she showed me a lot of a lot of helpful things, the baby hairs, slicking my hair back. My dad also used to do my hair. Pain. Just you love pain. the dad portion of the hair process. Just pain. <laughs> I used to really bawl, like crying. Mm-hmm. I'm it was like, like your eyes were pulled back. Like, you got why? a facelift just from like, a ponytail. <laughs> like, why are you being that aggressive? There's no reason I should be crying. And I know he used the brush with the rough ruffles on no that. like, like that sh- that's the painful way. like why do you want to put bristles, me through this? like calm all the way down like it's just <laughs> never no um but yes so through all that <laughs> um i guess eventually like probably fifth sixth grade and then then on i just started doing my own hair um Hair was something that always has been a struggle for me growing up. Like I mentioned during the interview, I didn't figure out my hair situation until I was probably a senior in high school going into my first year of college. Don't get me wrong, the struggle is still real to this day, but having done more research about my hair type, talking to people about which products genuinely benefited my hair was definitely a discovery that I'm grateful for. When I was younger, I unfortunately always compared my hair to other girls around me, even my mom, because they always had long, straight hair. Or for those who did have curly hair, either their hair was blown out or in braids. Being the only one in my classes with hair like mine made it made me always feel a type of way. And it didn't help when I when there was also those kids questioning my hair or poking at it. Yes. I grew up with kids always touching my hair. I tried seeing it through because we were just curious kids, but there was something about it happening to me all the time where I feel I lost my own self-respect at some point, and I felt like it was just starting to be distracting and discouraging. Real talk, I was at a point where I felt my biggest insecurity was my hair, and it's because I didn't have the knowledge or practice of working with my curls. Whenever I wore my hair out, I had kids call me Big Head or Krusty the Clown. That one got me the most. (laughs) Or even just telling me to stop blocking their view because my hair is too big. Like what? It was all bad. (sighs) Throughout my middle school years, I always had to go. I always had my go to look, which I'm proud to call my poopy braids, which was just my hair split in the middle, two pigtails and braids falling down with it. I also didn't believe in gel and bobby pins because I always thought they would ruin my curls or my curl pattern, so my bangings and baby edges were out and about living their best life, with no regrets. I rocked this hairstyle for three years because it was my only hairstyle, 
I was comfortable with it at the time and it was the only hairstyle my mom was comfortable helping me with. My mom is a warrior for helping me with my hair and my dad on some occasions. <laughs> he was emergencies only because damn does he know how to use a brush on my noggin. I feel like all curly hair girls know what I mean when our dads are in charge of hair for the day. It was always the spray bottle, gel, scrunchies, hair bristle brush, and man hands. <laughs> also, I swear, the amount of trial and error it, we have been through to figure out the right products for me was a whole mission. Back then, we didn't have YouTube where there was hair tutorials and recommendations for hair products, so just going to different hair or beauty supply stores was all we could work with. But it didn't help with being in the suburbs where all that was offered was Sally's. And we know Sally's is well overdue for the ladies with kinky hair. It was a process, and there was some dubs and more L's than there were dubs. <laughs> but after middle school, I decided I wanted to do more with my hair and make it a part of my routine rather than trying to ignore it. I'm tired of this, Grandpa! That's too damn bad! First day of high school, I came in with box braids, and girl, did I pop off. You know that feeling you get after eight hours sitting in the chair, and you look and feel like a goddess? That was me. And I never looked back after that. Box braids and getting extensions was so far from the thought process of how I could improve my hair. And my mom and I had no idea this could have been an, an option. <laughs> after we learned this was something that we can add to my hair routine, it was all over after that. My confidence with my hair slowly started building up. And this was around the time we expanded our sources on good beauty supply stores. High school was my experimental phase on different hairstyles, different looks, different everything. I actually learned how to French braid for the first time while I was in class with my box braids, and I even began bleaching some of my hair for some highlights to make my virgin hair look more interesting. High school was also my first time being independent on my hair care, because before then, I always had my mom in the bathroom with me washing and styling my hair. And obviously, being in high school and the age I was, I didn't want my mom to constantly have to worry about styling my hair, because at that point, I felt like this was now my responsibility. I took all the trial and error I experienced over the years and put all my efforts into my hair for the next four years. By the time I hit my senior year, I had a good sense of what I was working with. I knew what hair type I was, the best brushes to use for my hair, and I finally bought bobby pins and gel. The whole shebang. I just I, I love my hair and all the different phases I've been through with it mm -hmm. but I, I will say also um, being a light-skinned mixed woman now um, back back then I didn't see myself as beautiful like it took me a long time to because people put you in a specific box because of the way you look mm -hmm. or because of what you're mixed with and things like that and I just felt like I'm not that. <laughs> so I don't want to be associated with that. Mm -hmm. So I had cut my hair off because I just was so tired of people always making comments about my hair. And that's what they loved about me. And that's what they wanted to care about and see from me, especially with men. So I was like, I'm just going to cut it all off. Um, so that was its own phase. <laughs> um, and then after that, I 
dyed it as many colors as possible <laughs> so I didn't have to be associated with you know like having this specific hair mm-hmm. color and the eyes so it's like everyone thinks I'm everyone else that looks like that way but yeah. we've grown out of it yeah so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to <laughs> embrace everything I I feel you because even back then I've always wanted to look like my mom mm-hmm. um she's a light-skinned hispanic woman Mm. with like bone straight hair growing up with that and with her not it was a struggle with Mm. figuring out how to do my hair and always finding that i always thought that my hair wasn't worth taking care of and um i always wanted to straighten it Mm. um so going getting past that tough phase of feeling ugly and Mm. like not welcome it's empowering for sure yeah and i think i didn't feel that way until after once i started college mm. which is so insane that's so sad right like i ugh. i will say i'm grateful and that like all of my family my mom my dad my siblings everyone in my family always made me feel like my hair was beautiful me just as mason was beautiful even when i didn't think i was mm-hmm. you know so I I don't think they would have ever even let me like feel like I needed to change myself to be you know fit a certain mold. So I'm sorry. That's why we're here. Yeah. We're we're just figuring out life of a mixed chick, dude. It's yeah, so insane. Seriously. The journey is crazy. Um, and we're not even like we're only in our twenties. It's uh. It's a journey for show, but this new generation we're living in is so clutch because yeah. it's all about women empowerment yeah. and loving like everyone. You're beautiful as you are, and I kind of needed that. Like yeah. I needed that push. That and I think it's interesting because honestly, like we went through a lot, like growing up and just people kind of getting used to people that look Mm -hmm. like us. I think certain areas are, of course, more um, accustomed to diverse, racially ambiguous type of people like New York, Chicago, LA, well, Burbank has been a little different in that and more suburban areas, I'm sure. But now, like, being light-skinned in media is kind of like what people want if anything you know what i'm saying it is it's 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 what people want to the point of like fetishization like to the point of like detriment like calm down like like, yeah i think social media too had like a big part of like just like the beauty standards Mm. threw me off um a huge one especially during the the 2000s mm. like 2010s because you didn't see a lot of us on social media at least mm. i didn't i was um always on like the vine that vine level <laughs> all the white kids <laughs> just that's what i was just that's like influenced by i feel yeah. like we probably just had different experiences 100 percent. but i think that's that's also why i'm glad you're here to yeah. like i'm not alone you know? yeah <laughs> we all have different um no. stories to talk about so yeah i'm grateful I'm grateful that we're able to have this conversation because I kind of needed that. Hearing Mason's reasoning behind why she changed her hair a lot and cut it off made me realize that, damn, every curly-haired girl always has a story behind why we do the things that we do to change our look or to even start over. 
It was a relief to hear her say she didn't want to be put in a box her whole life with people trying to compare her to others that look like her. She just wanted to be Mason herself at the end of the day, and changing her hairstyle was her message to others as to why they need to see Mason for who she is. In 2020, during COVID and being stuck inside, I was going through my hair straightening phase, and after a couple rounds, just like that, I completely burnt out my hair. Suddenly, I knew it was time to grow up and chop it all off. And that is what we call ladies the big chop this was a powerful moment for me because i knew i needed to start fresh and i honestly didn't feel pretty at all going through this moment but it was starting over and that is what i desperately needed this was so inspiring to hear because again we are so young let me emphasize so young like it's crazy to hear everything we've been through and we barely hit the age of 21 also let me mention being in your 20s is such a weird feeling between finishing up your education to also trying to find your inner self trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle while also surviving and pushing through your daily activities to also putting yourself out there and trying to be confident even though you may not and are actually shaking your boots every step of the way it's so gnarly <clears throat> sorry that was the belly girl coming out of me <laughs> it's a journey and this is me telling myself this and for all of you girlies out there on the days you don't or haven't felt beautiful that is okay as long as later you come to your senses and see how much you have proved to others and yourself through that hardship all the things you've accomplished during that hardship all the people you have loved and all the people who have loved you back through that hardship you did it girl you are a strong woman who is going to figure out who she is eventually i like to tell myself patience is a virtue and i'm going to keep telling myself this until i reach level expert on duolingo for spanish speaking <laughs> all right guys thank you for listening in on episode one of life of a mixed chick and i hope this was something we can all take in as a learning curve on how to be a mixed chick Peace, love, and happiness, and I'll talk with y'all next time. Insert cool shade emoji here.